We're in our, we're in our fifth week of our uh, series from Galatians 5, 22 through 23, which is on uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And I just want to pause and just, man, express my thankfulness for the the preaching that we've had over the past two weeks with Jim Lee Callen two weeks ago and David Duran, the Lord's really blessed us through that. And what we've been seeing is that in our looking at the fruit of the Spirit is that the fruit of the Spirit is the result and proof that we belong to Jesus. The, what the, the Bible has told us, is telling us here, is that the, having the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, uh, kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, faithfulness, uh, self-control, and I just forgot one right off the top of my head, and that was terrible since we're in the series, but the, 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 these fruit of the Spirit are the proof and the evidence that we are, belong to Jesus Christ. Jesus said that if we abide in him, and he abides in us, which is, by the way, a short definition of what it actually means to be a Christian, is that when we abide in Christ and he abides in us, and Jesus said that when we do that, we, we would bear much fruit. In other words, what he's saying is our thinking and our feeling and our actions would begin to more and more resemble his. And he says that that would happen not because we happen to be good people, which is a big relief to me. Because I know some of you guys, you are great, nice, awesome people. I am not a great person. By nature, I am not a good person. I'm not a naturally very nice person. My wife is consistently trying to help me to be a nicer, more gentle person. But I need something other. I need another power than myself, another power than my own personality to make me resemble Jesus Christ. And that's what he is saying the, the Holy Spirit does in producing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And this is why we're in this series on the fruit of the Spirit. What we're doing is we're underscoring what the life of a Christian actually looks like. A Christian is someone who is increasingly, day by day, looking more and more like Jesus by God's power. And that's a huge, important phrase. Not by your power or your effort or my power, it's only by God's power. And what Jesus tells us is if we walk in this way, if we live a life that, that produces the fruit of the Spirit, then we're going to have the same kind of revolutionary, countercultural effects that Jesus had in his day. Uh, that's a big promise. And today, we're looking at part of the way that happens, that is the fruit of kindness. And now, in, as I've been preparing and thinking about and praying about, preaching about kindness this week, it kind of stuck, stuck out to me that it seems to me like you're not going to build a big following on social media or a big following via podcasts by talking about kindness. It's just not what moves the needle for us most, most these days. As Christians in America, we mostly live between two extremes. One side says that God is so kind God is so kind that obviously he doesn't care about, what, about who we are or what we do. God is so kind, he doesn't care about who we are or what we do. And the, the problem with that kind of thinking, though it sounds nice at first, hey, God just loves you, God's kind to you, it doesn't matter who you are or what you do with your life, he's just kind to you and he likes you and everything is good, so you know, just keep on going whatever direction you happen to be going. And God just kind of pats us on the back as we go in whatever direction that we want to go. And the, the problem with that is that kind of thinking doesn't turn anyone's heart back to God. It basically turns God into our servant who, is, who exists to help make us 
feel better and to actualize my life and make me uh, happier in whatever course I happen to want to go in. But then on the other extreme is, a, is something that I think is just as dangerous. That are those of us who carry the cultural label of Christian, but we, they spend their time railing against the culture in general and in railing against people in particular who don't think and believe the way that they think and believe. For them, Christianity or life is about a war of cultures. It's the good guys versus the bad guys. And if you're on the wrong side of this culture war, then you're the enemy. And then it's not surprisingly, as you think about that, that that kind of thinking, that kind of camp doesn't turn people's heart back to God either, because that's not very appealing, is it? But you can, by either espousing either of these ideas, hey, God's just here to pat you on the back, whatever direction you want to go, he's so kind, he doesn't care who you are or what you do, or the other side, hey, if anybody believes differently than us, then God's against them and we need to be against them as well. You can... You can build a crowd by espousing either of those points of view. But neither of those sides gives anyone a deep motivation for people to change, to repent, to turn back to God, their maker. It just builds a following of people who already happen to mostly believe and think the way that I believe and think. But the Apostle Paul reveals to us here in Romans 2, 4, the first text that was read for us this morning, how real change, how true repentance occurs. If you have your Bible, you can look at there real quickly, Romans 2, verse 4. Romans 2, verses 4. In the middle of this section, uh, Paul is talking about what does it it mean that God has, uh, has... been patient with creation who has turned away from him? How, what does it mean that God is patient with mankind who has turned away from him? And he says this, this is sort of a rhetorical question. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness, so that word kindness, and his forbearance and patience? We talked about patience last week. Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Hear that phrase that he says. God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Paul is telling us this, that this is how life change actually occurs. True life change happens in people. This is how true repentance happens. This is how people actually truly return and turn to God and have their lives changed so they begin to resemble more and more Jesus every single day is that whenever they appreciate and realize that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. Now, the first thing this tells us is that God's disposition or his nature or his character is kindness. At the core of who God is, God is kind. That is his disposition towards us. The next two weeks, we're going to be talking about kindness and goodness. And the, the definitions in the, in the scripture are very, very similar. In fact, there are times where it's actually those words are used interchangeably. But what we're going to talk about this week is how kindness is really a disposition of the heart or the will. And goodness is the things that we do that are good. God's, kind, God's characteristic, the core of who he is, is Kind. God is kind. According to his nature, he continually shows goodwill and consideration to others. That's a short little definition of what kindness is. Showing goodwill or consideration to others. 
And this is how central it is to God's character. It is that, that when Moses was praying to God and he said, God, show me your glory. And God said, I can't show you my full glory because you would die. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to cover you with my hands. And then I'm going to pass by and I'm going to show you my goodness or my kindness or my loving kindness. I'm going to show you my goodness. I'm going to show you because that's the closest I can do to show you my glory. And this is what God does whenever he hides Moses in the cleft of the rock and he walks by in Exodus 34, five through eight. It says, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him. That's Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord stood before Moses and declared his name. And this is what the Lord proclaimed. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That word, that phrase, steadfast love, is the word loving kindness as well. It can be translated loving kindness. And abounding in steadfast love or loving kindness and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love or loving kindness for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshiped. When God decided to show Moses, this is my goodness. This is my glory. This is who I am and my core of my being as I can reveal to humanity. It was this, I am a God of loving kindness. I'm a God of compassion I'm a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love or loving kindness to humanity. God considers his glory shown to us is that he shows us loving kindness no matter who we are or what we've done. This shows that loving kindness to humanity is a key part of what God considers to be his glory. And how is God kind to us? How is God kind to us? God is kind to us, first of all, that he gives good or shows kindness or shows goodness to the undeserving. Have you ever thought about like, why do the evil people prosper? Have you ever thought about that? David thought about it. He made prayers and songs about it. Like, why is that guy over there? I'm over here following you, Lord, as best I can, and my life seems to be nothing but calamity and trouble. But this guy over here, he keeps on seeming to get stronger and stronger. His house doesn't seem to be suffering any. His kids are, are, are healthy. He is wealthy, and his wealth is growing. Everything seems to be going well for him, and I'm over here, and I'm struggling. Have you ever thought about why do evil people prosper? Ever thought about like for all of its problems and life is full of problems, but for all of its problems, life is full of so much that is good, regardless of how good or bad people are. Jesus said uh, in Matthew five, he said, God makes the rain, so it's called, so it's the sun to rise on the, on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. God shows goodness. He shows 
kindness. He shows loving kindness to people regardless of how good or how bad they are. He shows kindness and goodness to, all, to those who are undeserving, which is all of us. It's his disposition to show kindness to those of us who don't deserve it. That's God's disposition or nature or character to us who are human beings. Think of how most of us are generally healthy. We have our problems. And some of you have more problems than others. But by and large, as humans, we realize that sickness and disease is the, should be the, should happen rarely in a, and we are more healthy than we are disease. God grants us health to both the just and the unjust. He causes the sun to rise and set upon the, the just and the unjust, the evil and the righteous. He gives us family and the joys of family. Well, sometimes it's not quite as joyful as others. But he gives us the joy of family he gives the joy of, of life and birth to families, regardless of whether they're Christian or non-Christian, regardless of whether they're following him or not. He gives us intellect and ability to, to think through things and to consider things, to create things and invent things. Isn't it amazing? Like, I'm preaching from an iPad right now. I have no idea how this things work, and somebody does understand it. He gives us intellect to, to be able to figure out how to have air conditioning. Can you imagine what it'd be like worshiping right now today in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, if we didn't have air conditioning in this place? God shows goodness to us. He gives us talents and abilities. I was watching the NBA finals this week and I look at those guys and the way that they're playing and I don't know if I'm a part of the same species as they are, the things that they can do, the, as fast as they can run, as high as they can jump, the, the build on some of those guys. God grants us incredible talents and abilities that are unique to each of us. He gives us prosperity. In pre-service prayer, we were just praying about how he has blessed us as a nation with unimaginable wealth. The cars that you guys drove up in here or rode in today. The houses that we live in. The technology that is at our beck and call. And then the beauty of nature. We were down with some friends last night down at the inlet and you're looking out over the, at the inlet as the sun was setting behind us and it was just, I, I was like, wow, that is amazingly beautiful. We went out walking on the, on the marsh walking. The sun was setting, is casting this golden light upon everybody and everybody was taking pictures. And it's like, man, this is beautiful. God shows goodness to us in so many ways, regardless of whether we deserve it or not and none of us deserve it. And God is kind to us in that he withholds punishment from those of us who do deserve it. God doesn't only show us kindness by, uh, by showing us, uh, by giving good things to those of us who don't deserve it. He continually withholds the weight of his wrath from those of us who do deserve it. And Peter tells us that he does so, in 2 Peter, he tells us he does so so that he's being patient with us so that we would repent and turn back to him. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should come to reach repentance. God shows us kindness 
in so many ways. And he does so, Romans 2, 4 tells us, in order to lead us to repentance, in order to lead us back to himself. God's kindness leads us to change. And that's really at the core of why these two approaches that we were just talking about don't really work. Don't really change anybody. I think it's a big reason why we don't see more conversions in our midst as American Christians. Because as Christians, we, first of all, aren't blown away by the kindness of God to us. We aren't blown away by God's kindness to us because we either think that we don't need it or we think that we deserve it. We can think that God is just placidly kind to everyone because he has no issue with anyone. And if that's really true, then what we really believe is that God's not kind to anybody. Because kindness is only kindness to people who don't deserve it. God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance, to change, to turn, to return to him. But we do need to change. That's what this passage tells us. God, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. God's kindness towards us says more about him than it does about us. When God shows us kindness, whenever we're running away and turning away from him, doing whatever we want to do, it's not a rubber stamp upon what we're doing saying, Hey, you're okay. It's a call from God to say, look at how good and how kind and gracious I am. Why wouldn't you turn to me? If I give you food that it tastes good and I give you beautiful sunrises and sunsets, if I give you the joys of family and I give you incredible prosperity and I give you the talents and abilities that you have and you see that they are good, why wouldn't you see that I'm even better than those things? I'm the source of those things. Why wouldn't you turn back to me? That's what God's kindness to us is supposed to do. It's it's supposed to highlight his glorious kindness towards us who don't deserve us. The point of God's kindness to us is to show us that no matter how far we have strayed from his ways, he's a loving father who is always willing to welcome us back home. God may drive us away from sin, but he woos and calls us to himself. He he drives us away from sin, but he woos and calls us to himself by showing us his loving kindness whenever we don't deserve it. Don't overlook his kindness to you today. And don't misread his kindness to you today. The kindness of the Lord, the loving kindness, the patience, as we talked about last week, that he shows to you is meant to tell you about him and how good and gracious and welcoming and loving and kind he is to you. Some of us can think that God's placidly kind to everyone because no, he has no issue with anyone, but that's not the case. His kindness towards us is calling us as a good father, calling us back home. Uh, some of us, though, we know that we need his kindness. This would generally, generally be the camp who thinks that, like, the, the, the second camp that we talked about, this, like railing against culture, and it's like a culture war, and you're with us or against us. There's all these non-Christians that are coming up and trying to destroy this Christian culture that we have in America, and that's the big problem that's going on. And some of us know that we need his kindness, but we just think that we can earn it. Like someone, have you ever 
bought someone a meal and they, they spend like the rest of the meal, the time that you're sitting there together or the next time that you see him insisting that you shouldn't have done that. I'll pay you back. I got you next time. You shouldn't have done that. I got you back. I'm going to pay you next time. They're always trying to, to, to pay you back. Like even in that moment, they're sort of embarrassed that you covered them, that you, that you care for them. Ever been with someone like that who's just, or maybe you've been on that person and somebody pays for you and you're just like, man, I, I can't stand that person paid for my meal. I gotta, I gotta get right with them. I've gotta even it out somehow. I gotta even out this score. You know what that really shows to the person who bought you the meal the, or, or to you? It really shows ingratitude because that person or me, whenever I do that, I don't want to owe you something or I don't wanna feel like I'm beholding to you for some reason. We don't want to think of ourselves as indebted to anybody. And some of us live like that with the Lord. He shows his incredible loving kindness to us and we're always trying to figure out some way that we can pay it back or earn it. And whenever he shows loving kindness to us in some way, we feel like, like we, ha we have to even the score somehow. And when he shows us loving kindness, we feel we respond either with guilt or with smugness. We, feel, we respond with guilt because we feel like I should deserve this and I don't. Or we, res we respond with smugness because I actually do, like I feel, I feel like I do deserve it. When we have that in our heart, what we really think is that we can somehow make God beholding to us or he gives us good things in response for what we do for him. Instead of thinking about it the other way around that we respond to the gracious loving kindness that he shows to us and we can never repay, we never would try to. For those of us who, who think like that, we, we know in our heads, if you ask us pop quiz, did Jesus come for... With, with mercy and grace for sinners that you could never earn, we would all check yes on that quiz. But in practical everyday life, we live like we have, there are conditions that we can earn his loving kindness. But yet kindness isn't true kindness unless it's unearned. When you pay for something and you give them, remember back when we used cash? Anybody remember cash? I remember back when I used to pay for things with cash. If you handed a clerk $10 bill for a pack of gum and he gives you back your change, that clerk isn't showing you kindness by giving you your change. You are owed that. He can be kind as he gives it to you, but he's not kind that he's giving you that money because you've earned it. And some of us think that way with God. We think that we somehow can earn it. But falling on the kindness of God requires seeing that though I need to change, I can't do it myself. Though I need to repent, though I need to come back to him, though my life needs to look different, I can't do it myself. And I only have to fall on the kindness of God. That's why when we see some of the things that we were just talking about, the kindness that God shows us in a sunrise, a sunset, beautiful nature, family, friends, a, our intellect, talents and abilities that we have, like all those things that when we see God's kindness to in those things, they can soften our heart. But you know what actually breaks our heart? What melts our heart? It's when we see the absolute undeserved kindness demonstrated to me in Jesus. 
You know that God described the mission of Jesus and the gift of Jesus as kindness to you? Paul said this in Titus 3. He says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasure, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. It's a big sentence. And then he says this, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. God's kindness is shown to those who are in need. And we are all in need, but we miss it if we think we somehow don't need it or we think we somehow can earn it. God's kindness in Christ Jesus that he came for those of us who did not deserve it, for those of us who deserved wrath, for those of us who deserved absolute and utter separation from him and punishment by him forever and ever and ever, but yet incredibly, unimaginably, he showed his loving kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That's what breaks our hearts. That's what melts our hearts. To really see and appreciate how kind God is to us. And if you don't feel that God is kind to you, one of those two things is either blocking it up. Either you think you can earn it or you think you don't need it. But whenever you come to the end of your rope and you say, I am a sinner and I have no other hope when you say, I have no redeeming quality on my own. I have no way to even the score. I have no way to add to the tally. I have no way to endear myself to him at all. It only has to be God's mercy and loving kindness towards me that he would bend down to me, even, even care about me, and not, much less do anything for me. But yet he has, and he continually does, day by day, moment by moment. The air that I breathe is God's loving kindness to me. The next air that you will breathe in your lungs, the next heartbeat that will beat in your chest is a loving kindness of the Lord to you. Especially if today you are here and you are not a believer in Christ. Every heartbeat, every breath is a measure of loving kindness given to you so that you would one day see his kindness and repent and run and return to him and fall upon his kindness alone as your only hope. It's that kindness shown to me and shown to you that breaks our hearts and lead us, leads us to return to him. That's what repentance is at its core. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. You know what repentance is at its core? At its core, repentance isn't you stopping and doing this sin and starting to read your Bible. It's not stopping sleeping around and coming to church. 
or stop cheating on your taxes and do a Bible study. Though stop these things and do these things by all means, but that is not at its core what repentance is. At its core, repentance is a returning or a turning to God. That's what repentance is. Those things follow. That's not repentance at its core is our turning to God. It's deeper and more personal than simply things that we do. It's about us returning to our maker and finding him a friend. Do you know that? Scripture tells us that God shows his loving kindness to us and has proven and shows us that he is our friend. When we see and we understand God's immeasurable kindness, it leads us to change. That's what leads us to change. God's free and undeserved, unmerited kindness towards us. When we realize that and see that, that kindness gives me the space to change. And it's what his free grace and his kindness is what gives me the motivation to change. You know what motivates you to change? It's not you saying, I need to read my Bible more. I'm going to go home and do that. I need to stop doing those things. I'm going to go home and not do that anymore. That kind of motivation lasts for what? few weeks, a day, an hour or two. You know what kind of lasting motivation truly changes our hearts and draws us to the Father and causes us in our soul to say, God, I want whatever you have for my life and I don't want those former things anymore. It's understanding and feeling and sensing his loving kindness to you and me when we don't deserve it at all. The kindness of his free grace in Christ motivates me to change. And then when that happens, as we grow in that understanding, then God's kindness through us can then help other people around me to change. God's kindness through me can help other people to repent and turn to the Lord. If you see that you are constantly receiving that kind of lavish kindness from God, it will change you and it will change you so that kindness will flow out of you to others around you. It's sort of like that parable, though it's about forgiveness. It's like that parable about the, the, the rich servant of the king who owed the king like, $20 million or something. And the king is going to sell him and his family in order to pay the, off the debts. And he falls down and he begs the king for forgiveness and the king forgives his debt. And then he leaves there and they catch him a little while later demanding like 20 bucks, 200 bucks from, his, from the guy who owed him money. And the servants who saw that came back to the king and said, this ingrate down the hall who you just forgave the millions of dollars of debt to? He was just demanding 20 bucks, 200 bucks from this guy down, this, down the hallway. And the king is incensed and angry because that's not the way it should work in our heart. When we realize that God is immeasurably pouring out grace and kindness, loving kindness to you and to me every moment, 
then it will, it's going to change the way that we interact with others. It's going to help us to begin to show kindness to others, especially when it's undeserved. Because remember, kindness is only kindness if it's undeserved. If someone tells you, have a good day, and you say, have a good day, and you walk away, you weren't especially kind to them. You just ex- exchanged pleasantries with them. You were nice, but it's not kindness. If we realize the the depth of God's loving kindness to me, then it's going to help me change so that my kindness is aimed at the betterment of the people around me. Because I'm going to realize God is so kind to me. He's so kind to me in the air that I breathe. He's so kind to me in Christ Jesus that I'm offered free and unconditional grace that I could never earn. And I'm at the bottom of the, I'm the scum of the earth, but yet he has seen to fit to draw me to himself and call me his son and place the robe of righteousness upon me and a ring upon my finger. Then I will see the people around me and I'll have hope for them. No matter how far away from the Lord they may seem to be. No matter how Hateful they may treat me. I can show them kindness because God's kindness came to me when I was hateful to him and still does. I can be patient and hopeful for them in the way I treat with them, treat them because God was kind to me even whenever I was far away from him and not, didn't, wasn't giving him any consideration. I can be kind to the people around me hoping and giving space to them to change because that's what God did for me. That's what that passage said. The kindness, or do you not know that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? You know what that means? That means that the patience of God that we talked about last week, he is showing us patience and kindness and giving us space to turn and repent. And I can do that to the people around me when I realize that. I'll give people space to change, space to repent. Space that hopefully they can see kindness through me that's reflected from God and God's kindness so that they will turn and repent themselves. When we, and then if we as a church, if we begin to bear the fruit of kindness towards others, you know what it will do in our midst? It will create a culture of grace. A culture of grace gives other people around us room to change. You know what? You and I think that we're right on a lot of different views that we hold. And not all of us in this room hold the same views about some pretty important things about what the Bible means and about how we live our life. But when we give each other space for God to show his kindness to the people around me, you know what's going to happen? They'll, either they'll change or I'll change, but we're allowing God to do the work. We're not pushing people away from our lives or nor forcing them to believe what I believe or to get out of my circle. And we do so because we know that we need the kindness of God. If we understand God's kindness, it's going to cause us to change the way that we live our lives in many ways. We're gonna we're begin to show appreciation in small things. We're gonna see little things as God's kindness towards us. We'll begin to show kindness to those of us around us who are in need. We'll show kindness to those of us around us who believe differently. We'll show kindness to those who, who we believe are undeserving. We'll show kindness to friends and family. I think that's really important, by the way. 
Because we tend to, by nature, mistreat the people who are closest to us and we're nicest to the people who are furthest away from us. But kindness is not niceness. Kindness is showing kindness to people regardless of whether they deserve it or not. And sometimes I think my wife doesn't deserve my kindness and sometimes she doesn't think I deserve hers. But whenever I show kindness to her and she shows kindness to me, that shows God's love and grace in our family and helps people see Christ in us. What I want us to see as we end here is that I want us to see the evangelistic power of kindness. If it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance, then it's his kindness through us that can lead other people to repentance around us. This is about being a, a quiet, countercultural, revolutionary people through kindness. Not through railing against culture and demanding that laws change, or there are laws that need to change, but by us quietly, counterculturally, showing kindness to other people around us, regardless of whether they deserve it, because we have been shown kindness ourselves. And when we do that at the store or online or at school with our friends, with our family, it reflects the true source, God's kindness to me and to others. Our kindness to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ allows space for change and repentance to occur in our midst. And when non-Christians see that and they experience it and they taste it in our midst, it can lead to them being changed as well. Because they see exhibited from us what is being exhibited to them by God. If you lack kindness in your life, then what you need to do is you need to see the free and undeserved kindness of God to you in Christ. If you see that, it will lead you to return to him. And if we concentrate on returning that kind of love to the, and kindness to the people around us, then it can do the same for the people around us as well. Now, as we prepare for the, the service to move on there, prepare for communion, there's two ways that we can respond to the word this morning. If you're here and you're like, man, uh, I don't know if I really believe that God is kind to me. Then I pray that God will reveal that to you this morning. I'd love to pray with you. Or maybe you said, man, I don't see the kindness of God exhibited in my life. I need, I need to better understand God's kindness to me so that I could show his kindness to the people around me who I think are undeserving. Get somebody to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. We have a prayer area back in the back. You can find anybody beside you and say, hey, would you pray for me for this? Respond or just take some time at your chair to pray. Say, God, show me your kindness. God, help me to see how kind that you are to me so that I could then grow in kindness to the people around me. The second way that we get to respond is by partaking in a token, a physical token of God's kindness towards us as believers in the body and blood of Jesus Christ in Holy Communion. As we saw in Titus, God's loving kindness is exhibited to us, to us who were far away from him that he sent his son when we do not deserve it. 
And that if you're a Christian today, Christ today is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you, is standing the gap for you, not because you came to church this morning or prayed a prayer or read your Bible every day this week, but simply because he loves you and he's put his loving kindness upon you. So as I invite you to come, we're gonna have four stations, one at each corner of the room. Come and receive, as, you, as they put that cup in your hand, receive that as the loving kindness exhibited to God, exhibited to you by God this morning. If you're a believer in Christ, we welcome you to come. It's one cup, it has a wafer on top, you pull back a, the top layer, partake of that, there's another layer that you pull, peel back and partake of the juice. If you're a believer in Christ, Welcome to come. If you'd like to have somebody pray with you, please do. And then we're going to continue worshiping together. Father, I thank you that you are kind to us in ways that we weren't even able to touch on this morning. That each of us should be able to think about specific ways, not even general ways, but specific ways that you have shown your kindness to us this morning, today, this week. God, I pray that you would reveal it to us, but God, I pray more so that you would help us to see more and more deeply that, that you have shown kindness to us in Christ Jesus to make us your children as believers, regardless of what we have done. And we can't earn it or deserve it. And God, I pray that, that we would see that your loving kindness is given to lead us to repentance, to change, to come to you. Father, I pray for any person here who is here who is not a believer in Christ. Father, I pray today would be the day that they put their faith and trust in you and accept your loving kindness to them in Christ and you would change their lives forever. God, be with us as we partake in communion and their broken body and shed blood for our behalf. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.